Hello and welcome to Table Topics, the general advice and discussion podcast from the RPG Academy. I am Michael and this is Table Topics episode 46, Roll20.net, Data Delve. In this episode, Caleb and I interview Nolan Jones, one of the three co-founders of Roll20.net, the virtual tabletop program that allows you to play role-playing games with your friends over the internet. So we talk a lot to Nolan about the past and where Roll20 came from and his history with gaming, uh, but part of the reason why we spoke to him when we did is to talk about the new update that is coming here within the next couple of days called Data Delve, or Data Delve, depending on which, uh, which way you pronounce it. And uh, there's two or three sort of big changes that are coming with this that we discuss. Uh, the two primary ones being character sheets are now available and are being built by the community, as well as an update to their uh, dice rolling randomizer generator machine thing. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we talk about that for about 45 minutes. Nolan was a fantastic guest, and uh, he dropped some knowledge about how to do a better 13th age game, because apparently there's a way to do a macro that will let you automatically add the escalation die into everyone's rolls. How cool is that? So I hope you guys enjoy. Please stick around. There is a special announcement after the initial podcast from Caleb and I, and uh, I hope you will find that interesting. So here is Table Topics, Episode 46, Roll20.net, Datadel. Or Datadel. But to start, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and Roll20? Sure. Uh, I'm Nolan T. Jones. I'm one of the three co-founders of Roll20.net, an online virtual tabletop. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) We're we're rapidly growing. When's this podcast going to air? Next Thursday. So by the time this is out, the Data Delve uh, update that we're doing will have just launched, and we will probably have a half million users, which we accomplished in just over two years. Wow, so. that that is phenomenal, man. I uh, before we really contacted you, one of, one of our earlier listeners, the guy he goes by Voth on um, I think on Roll Twenty as well as on Google Hangouts, he tried to turn us on to that like right away. He's like, mm-hmm. hey, you guys got to try out this Roll Twenty thing, and I was a little bit reluctant. I'm you know almost forty, I've been playing D and D since I was twelve, and for me D and D is in my basement around my table, so I was a little hesitant. Uh, I have since then tried it, and I really like it, and I'm now running a game. Uh, using Roll20 as well as participating in some others, so uh, I'm a believer now. I, I think the reason that works, though, is that we are, we would all agree with you, is that D&D is meant to be played around a table. Like, that's that's how these games are meant to be played, and so we're trying to give the best substitute for that possible uh, by trying to mimic the table in its simplicity as much as possible. And, and there, I mean, there's a lot of other cool bells and whistles that we can do that tables can't, things like dynamic lighting, things like adding up all your ridiculous 4th edition damage for your level 30 character that has, you know, six different things that proc. But, yeah, uh, yeah. It, we uh, we really have tried to stay as table-like as possible, and that's that's helped a lot. Uh, now, I do want to talk about the uh, the update, the data delve, mm-hmm. or data delve, uh, but I want to go back a little bit. So talk a little bit about, you know, where did you guys come up with the idea? 
you, know, you mentioned that your business partners are across the country. So was it just something you guys wanted to do for your own games? Yeah. So we had we had done a bunch of different things previously. We did a a web comics website, and um, we did we pitched an animated series. And after college, we all moved apart. Uh, myself to Las Vegas for my wife to do law school. Uh, Richard, one of the other co-founders, to Arlington, Virginia, for his wife to do law school. And then Riley. Dutton moved over to Wichita, Kansas, and we weren't staying in very good touch. Riley's first son was born, and I was talking to him on the phone, and we had realized, like, it's been, like, almost half a year since we've talked. It's ridiculous. We need to find something to to do. And I started playing Dungeons & Dragons again with a group here locally in Vegas, and then started bragging to Riley, essentially, like, hey... Uh, I'm playing again, and it's awesome. Too bad you can't do this. And he was like, well, actually, uh, I've been working on this. It was a learning software for autistic children that was image-based. It was image sharing to communicate things like, here's what I want for lunch. And he was like, what is a table other than images shared between people, that it's a map with tokens on top? And I think I I could do something similar to that if you give me some time. So he, he puts that together. Uh, we sit down and play with it, and he's like, "Nolan, I got, I've got a crazy idea. What if we, what if other people are interested in this? What do we do?" And I, I had done a bunch of things in comics with a Kickstarter, and had a bunch of friends who had, and turned him onto that. And he said, "Well, you know, I'm really, I'm really hesitant." At that point, we had played, oh, three or four games on it, not a whole lot. And his hesitancy was that he didn't want to get into it if there wasn't a big market for it. You know, that he didn't want to jump in and then end up being, you know, doing doing service for three or four people who had a lot of demands on him programming-wise or something like that. So he's like, let's do an 18-day Kickstarter, ask for $5,000. If it doesn't go well, it doesn't go well. We never talk about it again. So like I said, we'd had a few uh, projects that we had done that hadn't really gone anywhere. We put it on Kickstarter. 18 days, we raised $39,000. Nice. And we were... Yeah. <laughs> and we were off to the race. And it, I mean, it took us a long time after that to figure out exactly how to make it into a sustainable business. Um... But we, we got there, and now this is all three of our primary jobs, which is just ridiculous to have, uh, to have seen it explode in the ways it has. But yeah, it was, it was honestly started for the three of us to play together long distance. And then he was like, you know, should we, should we open this up to somebody else? And I was like, ah, Kickstarter, let's try it. It's like, really short one, though. I don't want to, <laughs> which is so bizarre to think about now. But, you know, another thing is you look at how much Kickstarter has changed since 2012. Oh, yeah. um, and the the explosion there of games and things like that. So it's a, it's, it's a very different time. I We were just at uh, Penny Arcade Expo East talking to a board game uh, maker and I said, you know, we raised $39,000. And he's like, in 2012? <laughs> like, how did, <laughs> how, how did you do that? I don't know. Twitter still existed. Like... <laughs> So that's fantastic. I actually think I heard on the Haste podcast uh, a few months ago that you guys had mentioned that you're, this was now your full-time job. Mm-hmm. And that is like the greatest combination of the American dream and fantasy because you're doing what you love and you're getting paid for it, but it's also sort of a role-playing element. So, I mean, it's like total slow clap on my my side for what you guys have been able to accomplish. <laughs> and that, that, is, that is so no, awesome. It's, it's really, really cool. And we're looking... We're in a position now where it looks like before the end of the year we might even be able to start hiring a couple people. Uh, we don't know what those spots will be yet, whether it'll be programming or design or something like that. But we're trying to figure out what the biggest gap is that the three of us have. Because I mean, at this point, with a half billion users, it's getting to the point where we could really use some help. <laughs> is the yeah 
is the honest to goodness truth. Uh, I was I was talking with our moderation team, uh, who are the best people on the planet. They they work, you know, really hard to help people figure out the the program. And it was like, well, we've got about five moderators, so that's one moderator for every hundred thousand people. people. We may, <laughs> we may need to add some moderators. <laughs> like, oops. Well, that's what happens when you when you scale that fast. Now, from the business aspect, like, where does the majority of the revenue come from? Is it subscriptions? Because I know, I mean, yeah, for the, most people, it's it's free. The the subscriptions are the the majority of the income. The marketplace also does. Uh, fairly decently. I, we're looking really to to push the marketplace some more going forward. That's marketplace is really my baby in a lot of ways. It hasn't been realized to its fullest potential because one of the things that we can pull off with Roll Twenty that again, it, you know, the things that we've got an advantage on with a actual table, we should we should go for it because it's great to have those advantages, the few though they are. And one of them is instant setup. Uh, modules where you go in, click buy, and have a fully realized adventure. You know, if you're if you're a Dungeons and Dragons guy, fourth edition, keep on the Shadowfell. That you could just click, have that all there with all the tokens, all the stat blocks, all the handouts, and that sort of thing. That's what we want, and that's the number one thing our users are asking for right now. So that's a really big push on our part uh, that we'll see some more of this summer is to try to get more and more uh, role-playing companies to look at this and give it a shot. And, and even independent publishers. That's a thing that's really cool. Right now going on, there's a Kickstarter for a, a system called Simple System. And the guy built the rule set in Roll20. It's a fully functioning, card-based role-playing game. So instead of rolling dice, you're drawing cards for outcomes, and the numbers are on there. So it kind of, if you're doing something hard, instead of it being in a 1 through 20 range... Uh, maybe it takes the range of what you could possibly get to one through five, for an example. So it really makes it hard. So you you have less of a chance of of making it happen. And so it, back and forth. So there's less of that completely random. Oh, but my character's supposed to be good at this uh, type scenario. And it, it's a really cool project. And I think they're going to raise somewhere around. Uh, they've passed twenty three thousand uh, dollars at wow. this point. Yeah, and it. it the guy literally he built it in Roll Twenty. Uh, it'll it's going to be available as a module, the uh, the initial pack set, in September. Uh, things like that, you know, it doesn't need to be the giant companies that we work with in this. This is this is a one guy uh, design operation. He's had some other people contribute art, but he did it himself. Uh, we've played the system; it's really cool, and we're really excited to be working with somebody doing stuff like that. We want to do so much more of that, and I think too that's going to be that's really going to change the dynamic of where some of the income comes from because it will increase uh, what the marketplace is able to do. For right. and and another thing that's great about that though too is that it involves the creators. Uh, in a way where they're, you know, they're invested. We have so many creators. We don't do an exclusive deal um, with the majority of our work. There's some of the work that we do for mentor tokens that's specifically that, but otherwise it's you own it as the creator. And by and large, everybody who's on the marketplace says, I sell more here than I sell anywhere else on the web. And that's what we want to hear. That's what we want to be able to do is, is we want to be able to prove, you know, that there's a lot of options out there. Go ahead and work with all the options, you know, make as much as you can. But we want you optimizing for and thinking about Roll20 because we're doing the best job getting your stuff out there. 
obviously you have a gaming background. You played, you know, with your buddies in college. So like, uh, what's your history with gaming and what are you, what are you playing right now? And it, the, the craziest thing about this is that really we had just played a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons and we got really, really lucky that when we sat down and did the Kickstarter, we decided every time we came to a design option, we wanted to mimic what was happening at a table instead of specifically Dungeons and Dragons. And part of that was as we got backers, we started to hear about all these systems that we had no... I mean, I had never heard the words Savage Worlds before. I had no idea that Fantasy Flight was about to come out with a new Star Wars RPG called Edge of the Empire. These are things that, you know, absolutely no, no exposure to whatsoever. And so we got really lucky in what we did approach-wise, and also, too, I think it was, uh, you know, just in case we want to play some other games, but the majority of things that we played, you know, they, they are post-Roll20, that we really, the three of us all had just played some Dungeons & Dragons and you know, have snowballed from there, which I think is a really common experience for uh, a vast majority of gamers these days. They start at the one that's got the, the recognition and kind of roll out from there. Currently, I am playing a fair amount of things. I'm playing a Fate Accelerated game that's a lot of fun. I'm playing a lot of Dungeon World. It's so easy to, to pick up play and just jump in there that I end up doing a, a fair amount of that. Currently, the thing I want to play that I'm not playing at this exact moment is 13th Age. Uh, I think that that's a really great rule set uh, for folks that haven't tried that out, and I would, I would love what they're doing. But yeah, I, I play I play a lot of things now. It's so crazy how much I play in comparison to what I used to play. Uh, my my video gaming has gone almost entirely by the wayside, uh, but that's you know that's great. That's one of the reasons I got into Dungeons and Dragons was that you know, World of Warcraft had dominated my life, <laughs> and I was getting out of that. And I was like, I want something to do that doesn't have the box and the constriction. And this guy I was working with was like, Well, you you got to play Dungeons and Dragons, man. It's like World of Warcraft but more metal. <laughs> okay, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. Nice. Yeah. Well, something I wanted to bring up here was, I and I think we've touched on it a little bit, most of us come from that playing around the kitchen table in your basement kind of background. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people of a certain age are a little bit adverse to involving the more technological aspect of the modern age. I mean, we all know how important social media is for reaching out to friends and family members and players <clears throat> that aren't in your immediate kitchen, but a lot of times it's a really big transition to say, okay, well, let's sit down at the desk and play D&D on the computer. Yeah. So what would, what would you say to people like us who are of that opinion, because I count myself among that group. <laughs> I think the, the biggest thing that changes it for folks is just a need and a desire to play with people that they haven't played with in a long time. And that's, you know, the number one thing that we hear from people who, especially starting out, now, now we get a split. But starting out it was, I haven't played with my gaming group in 10, 15, I think the largest I ever heard is... 40 years, which means that they were playing, you know, <laughs> when Dungeons & Dragons started. Um, but it, it, that essentially, you know, I haven't been able to play with my group so long, and this facilitated that. And I, I think that that's something that has a real 
value to folks, and it is really exciting for them. Now we do get a, a split of folks who are coming at this for the first time, which is really, really interesting, and it, it comes at it from more of a, I want to say a shyness angle that, you know, I've heard about this, but I don't want to go to the, the you know, the store that is basically a dungeon <laughs> in town. I'm, I'm afraid to go in there and deal with those guys, but I know the Dungeons and Dragons and all these sorts of things are a core to all the stuff that, you know, I, I love and I do and I read and things like that. So how do I get started? You know, where, where do I go from here type thing? So it's been really interesting to see that transition that, you know, initially we were entirely people who were a little bit older going, I'm looking to get back into this or I'm looking to play with, you know, I, I play with some guys in town right now, but, man, I miss so-and-so up in Milwaukee that we used to have the best darn games. Ah, So, yeah, it, that would be my, you know, it, I think the people are the pitch more than the program as far as why you would use Roll20. Now, if I understand correctly, a big part of Roll20 is looking for a gaming group. You don't have to come to the software saying, hey, here's five guys and we're going to play. Part of it is, hey... I want to play Star Wars. Who's running a Star Wars game? Yes, uh, and that's one of those things. So with this being a program that Richard Riley and I started for our own use, that was nothing that was in our minds at all when we got this started. You know, it, you, you don't need to look for You have a group. We made this for our group to play. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And eventually it got to a point where, you know, well, we put a group or a, a board where you could start finding other people, and as that snowballed, we put in a system where you could find other people. And there are a lot of different resources and a lot of different places. I mean, you can hop anywhere from 4chan to Reddit and find threads uh, that, hey, I'm looking for people to play Roll20 with. As far as our own system goes for finding folks, we know we need to optimize it a little better. It works, it gets people in touch, but we want to... The number one reason, I'm saying number one a lot, but this truly is like on feedback. <laughs> the the number one reason that somebody says, uh, you know, if somebody hasn't been using their 20 account in a while or they cancel a subscription or whatever, the reason that they leave is that their gaming group fell apart. Rarely is it something to do with the program itself. It's, oh, I can't find people to play with. So it's become a real emphasis for us to figure that out. And we're doing a lot of things to try and figure out what we need to make better about the looking for group system. But at the same time, I feel like we made a lot of good decisions to start when we first implemented it. One of the ones that uh, we caught some flack for initially and people have kind of come around to is that we kept the, the list of games compact. You could advertise yourself as wanting to play any game. You can go to the forums and say that you want to play any game. But as for the the system, which is matching people up, it was only larger games. And the purpose behind that was, let's say that you wanted to play a game with a smaller fan base. For the Let's say Pendragon is in particular popular right now. By having it out there as an option. If you go to that, select it, and there's no games available, you're never going to look again to see if there are games there. You just, oh, it's not popular on Roll20, I can't play it. And so we're trying to wait until there's more mature communities for as many of those games as possible. So right now it's been the big ones that we know there are people playing Pathfinder on Roll20. You, you can look for that. But some of the uh, some of the smaller stuff and older stuff, we've really tried to go, okay, you know, go to the boards if you want to find somebody for that. Um, because we want to wait until we know, you know, 
maybe when there's a few million players, it'll be easier to go, all right, look for games in, in these smaller subsections. But for now, by cultivating in that way, it's really worked to make certain that you know, it, later on, there's the opportunity that people will still use the system. But yeah, we're tweaking that as we go. Uh, we know it needs another tweak. Um, one, of the, one of the weirdest things about doing this is that all the unintended consequences. Like what? You put together a system to do card decks, and then somebody goes and plays. So we were the first game we played with card decks was Settlers of Catan, and somebody says, you know, I this isn't working for what I'm doing. Or what are you doing? I'm playing Arkham Horror. That's a whole lot of card decks. <laughs> we were not ready for that, and and having to scale and figure that out. So with looking for group right now, an unintended consequence is that we have people that are building communities based off of a, of a social preference as opposed to the actual games. So it's looking for group, I want an anime-based game. Looking for group, I want a community that only speaks Italian. So, so they'll select that they're willing to play every game in the system, but what they're really looking for is a particular uh, social set. And so... Do you optimize for both those things separately? Do you optimize that they work together? Do you? And all we had thought was, you know, we need to make certain that we're what day of the week you're available, and you know what you're what you're looking for as far as a system. And instead, and, and another thing that's happened is now that there are these uh, these kind of super groups within Roll Twenty. So a campaign, we thought, you know, it's going to be six people, seven people, and so a campaign right now, the way it's displayed is that it's optimized that. You know, there would be all of our profile pictures if we're playing a game together, and you'd hover over mine, and you'd see how many hundreds of hours I've played, and you know, any of those other you know achievements, what I'm willing to play, and things like that. Well, now these supergroups have come about that we all are learning to play, or we're all learning to GM. So there's a group that's uh, it's called Game Master Academy, and they've got 300, 400 people in that group, uh, in that campaign, that are sharing it to to pass information to each other which we're not optimized for at all. So now it loads 300 profile pictures <laughs> with, with all that extra metadata on this is how many hours they've played. And we're just sitting there going, oh my gosh, you know, we weren't, we weren't ready for the system to be used like that at all. We thought it was just going to be used for games in this way. And so figuring out how do we change and support for that thing that we never ever expected. Another thing that's just absolutely crazy, we never expected people to build maps in Roll20. And it, it, it happened like that was an attack on both sides. We had people starting to put together maps in Roll20, and then the people who were submitting things to the marketplace were submitting tiles to make that easier for people to go in and do tile map making. And there was a period there where people doing that, their campaigns were slow as molasses because we had an optimized. We had to go in. Riley figured out an entirely different way of, all right, what's the minimum amount of data when you drop that in that I can share amongst people as for how it's oriented, what it looks like, and things like that, and all these changes because, you know, we we were putting fully rendered maps in there. Well, what are what are you doing with coming in with three hundred pieces? Uh, for your for your map that you're setting up, you know, I, I thought you maybe would put a chest in there that you'd move around, not that your entire dungeon would be modular tiles. So there's a lot of it's a very steep learning curve doing this. So uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up, and now this seems like a good point, to what uh, what you're talking about. We did kind of post that we were going to have this conversation, and uh, you know, looking for questions to ask you or that kind of thing, and 
and really the only thing that we got back was uh, in regards to the video integration mm-hmm. that a lot of people use like Google Hangouts with the plugin mm-hmm. rather than actually using the video integration from the Roll20 site. Uh, I guess because that's what I do is I use the Google Hangouts with the plugin. So there, there's conversation that it's kind of laggy and it, it's and I think that's what you're talking about in some ways that it's not necessarily optimized. So are there plans in place to get that addressed? Uh, so, so that's one of the crazy. First off, uh, Google Hangouts in the past two years has improved in ways. I remember when we first started doing things in Roll20 that it would uh, it would lag out after 40 minutes. You know, everybody's voice and video would be way, way off from each other, and you'd have to, okay, everybody run a refresh. Um, and it, now I can sit here and have a, a full four-hour session, and Google Hangouts keeps up the entire time. As far as our integrated voice and video, we work through a service called TalkBox. And TalkBox switched over in December from a Flash-based system to what's called WebRTC. And if you haven't tried our integrated, and that's one of the things when you're doing this is that you're constantly fighting against old data. You know, oh, the voice and video at Roll20 doesn't work. When did you use it? Uh, a year ago when I first tried it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, let's have Once a conversation. Yeah. RTC system is a whole lot better, and it's a different, you know, peer-to-peer inside browser, not flash, so that there's an extra thing that you're working with system, and it's it's fantastic. The quality of video is actually better than a Hangout, which is which is kind of wild when you see it. You're surprised at how clear it is, um, but it's one of those things that you know that came out recently and there's been an additional update to it on TalkBox's part that we implemented within the past month. It's a really great system and continues to get better. And I, I, I wouldn't tell anybody not to use a Hangout because you know if you're already in Google and using that, it's great. The only thing that you're really losing out on is screen real estate. But the, the system, you know, the WebRTC system keeps getting better and better. And what's really cool about it is that it's a new technology we're probably one of the top five websites on the web uh, utilizing WebRTC technology. It is going to be a big thing in the future as far as being able to to communicate in that way from inside a browser. But I would say, you know, keep an eye on if if it's something that you're interested in, if it's something that you're, you know, somebody's saying, hey, are you going to ask questions to Roll20? Ask them about this <laughs> if you're that interested about it. Uh, swing by our change log and see when we do updates to it and and give it another try. We have, like I said, we've recently deployed an update that takes it further, but the big jump uh, was in December with the rugged reroll update, and it really was a noticeable, holy cow, uh, this is a lot better. Um, but okay, yeah, well, I, like I said I I've pretty much been using the Google Hangouts just just because that's someone else ran a game for me first, Mm -hmm. my first experience. And that's what they did. And I just kind of followed along, Uh, but I'll try it. I'll, I'll set one up actually in the system and uh, see how it goes. But again, there's nothing wrong. Like there's nothing guilty. We, we are optimized to work in Google Hangouts for a reason. And that's because they're great. And it really is a, a wonderful functionality. And two, it gives you the option. I mean, if you're sitting there in a session and it's a, it becomes very theater of the mind for 30 minutes because you're sitting around having you know your your council to decide whether or not you're going to take the ring to Mount Mordor or <laughs> Mount Doom, you know <laughs> those moments where you're sitting there talking and you're not rolling and stuff like that, you can switch and just go ah oh, close the app and just you know see faces and things like that. That's very very convenient. There's nothing wrong uh, with using that system. I would just say you know if you're if you have a game that has a lot of maps. And you want that screen real estate? 
definitely give the in-app version a try because it really has made leaps and bounds, especially, like I said, since that uh, December update um, in terms of what it's able to do and how gorgeous it is. That's, that is the thing that still, every time I load it up, because I we use Hangouts for our day-to-day conversations just because it's fast to, to pop one and go. Um, and because of that, when we switch and go, okay, we're going to go play a game, we usually play with the in-application interface. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can see you so much <laughs> so much better and clearer and everything behind you. And how is that, how do I see, even though it's a smaller screen, how do I see it so much clearer? What in the world? Well, Phil, I appreciate you putting up with us so far. We've kind of been working a lot in the past, uh, but we definitely want to talk about the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier in the, in the show, within, within a couple of days, and it'll probably be, before this even comes out, you've had, I think, is it your second big update? Right. Is it the Data Delve? Uh-huh. Uh, and there's two big updates or changes that went with that. One's character sheets. First off, the whole big, and so we switched to the big update thing, and what we found out when we did the big update is, one, it gives us a lot more time to figure out, you know, the get everything locked down, more time for testing, more time for documentation, which is all great. But the other benefit, which we hadn't, realized in advance is that it gives people a chance to know what's in the update which is huge because when you've got so many people that are you know almost a half million people the way they take information is different some people like a newsletter some people will never read it some people are going to be on twitter some people hate that stuff you know and so there's there's this shotgun spray that you need to make of here's what we're doing and with that you know people would swing by the forums when we were updating every three weeks and say, hey, I really need a way to do this. I was like, we just did that a month ago. How did you not know? Ah! And these bigger updates, it's much, much clearer what we're doing and people have an idea of what's happening because it gives us a chance to talk about it, actually get feedback from the mentors and things like that. So with this, we've had three main parts. One is a, an upgrade uh, to our servers. And that's been, you know, it increased speed for everybody, which is great. Uh, it's you know it's not the sexiest feature in the world, but you'll notice a difference uh, going forward. The the other th- big thing, as you said, is character sheets. Uh, so community created character sheets. There's already forty some games I think that that have sheets uh, for them, which is spectacular. They're made with HTML and CSS. They're gorgeous. They look like they're supposed to look, and you can roll from them. Which is you know super convenient to be able to go aha I'll I'll use that attribute that I've got there and tie it into a macro and then the other big thing is quantum roll which is uh, the the most preposterous thing I feel like we've done uh, with our time I, so, I have to say that w- when I was reading about the update that I actually laughed out loud yeah when I saw that there's been <laughs> this much time and energy put into a randomized dice roller. And that people are actually, like, I don't know if complaining is the right word, but they seem to be insinuating that oh it's not really random. People, then people get, so first off, computers can't actually be random. But the thing is, they get so infinitely close that it doesn't matter. I mean, I live in Las Vegas. All of the slot machines <laughs> are based off of computers. Somebody's got this working enough that you know we have gaming commissions set up for these things that that there's a fairness in the randomness. So it, just like if you think about it, if you're sitting at a table, somebody can get on a bad streak and they'll say, "I need I need a new set of dice. Give me a new set of dice right now." 
Uh, it, we've all seen that happen, and so what? What's so weird is that when people observe this in Roll Twenty, it's it's broken. Your game, your game's broken because <laughs> I rolled a bunch of twos. <laughs> well, no, you just rolled a bunch of twos. Um, so so one of the things that we're doing is first off we're putting up essentially a leaderboard that shows you all the rolls happening because you're on there and you're playing with your friends and you see all these bad rolls. Well, there's also at that time. 4,000 other people playing their games. So by giving you the overall view, uh, you can see, oh, okay, here's what's happening. Um, our previous, uh, the thing that we were using for entropy, which is the way you get randomness, essentially the formula to give you the range of randomness, is really good. Uh, we've put it through a whole bunch of testing, and we've been really public about that testing, and since this continues to be a thing, we decided that we would take it an extra step, and now the thing that we are using for entropy is a formula for a splitting particle of light. And that's just, I mean, <laughs> that it it sounds like a joke is really <laughs> is really the brilliance of it. Uh, but it, you know, it is what it is, and it'll definitely you know, that's something that. It, it, we're as random as a splitting particle of light, bro. Like, get over it and, <laughs> and move on. Uh, I'm sorry that you're getting crummy rolls tonight. But it, it's so funny in that it's it's the thing that we've heard about with Roll20 and that people hear about. But if you think about it, in the fact that there can be at any given time, you know, a, like I said, 4,000 people online, that means that there's a whole lot of people that aren't talking about dice rolls, that aren't you know, every time the server goes down, <laughs> it, it's the it's I, I call it the worst way to gain Twitter followers because oh, we gain well. <laughs> we gain thirty people who are going to check status. You know, oh, roll twenty down. Do they have a Twitter? Let's go to Twitter and they follow and they they're seeing updates as we you know figure out whatever it is. You know, uh, the this went down. It'll be five minutes. Give us a second. So that's something where you know it's obviously broken. We are obviously hearing about it, and we know, oh crud! With the dice rolling, it's it's really you know a couple people a night have a bad streak, and so they take to the <laughs> they take to the streets to burn the. Or what's I, I think the funniest thing in this has been, have you guys heard of role play? They're a they're a live stream group. So essentially, it's a bunch of uh, professional StarCraft II players and announcers that now have started doing live games. And they do these games, and there have been characters that have been killed in these ongoing narratives they have by rolling four ones in a row. And, and the thing is, this is being this is a stream that's being watched by 3,000, 4,000 people that are watching this one stream, and they see that happen. It's, Roll twenty, Roll twenty killed this character. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. How could you guys? You guys need to fix your crap. Well, uh, that could happen. It's awesome that it happened on that giant stage. Is <laughs> yeah. the honest truth. But you know, yes, there's a very small likelihood that, that would happen, and it's really cool when it happens in front of four thousand people usually. <laughs> so uh, we uh, we're playing a thirteenth age game through the the plugin right now. And we played two sessions, and one of the one of the players has kind of had that like both games the most atrocious rolls. It just can't hit, can't can't do damage. It was just you know it, it got to the point that it was funny, and uh, he had a really important role to make like life or death 
one roll to, to make. And I offered him the chance to do a test roll, like mm-hmm. sometimes you'll do with your D20. And he didn't want to take it. And there was like that moment of hesitation that was pretty awesome. And he, luckily he hit it. He made it. It was all good. But yeah, I, I mean, you do the same thing at the table. You're exactly right. Yeah. You, you roll three ones in a row. You throw that table across the room <laughs> and you pick up another one and then you're done. So yeah, I, I, I just find it funny that people would complain to that point. Oh man, it, well, it's, it's amusing, but it, we also realized that it, it gave us a great opportunity because if, if there is that subsection of people that care that much about it, to be able to give them something there to say, hey, we listened, here it is, uh, that's really cool. It's a really great opportunity to have something that, you know, it, our dice roller sets us apart in a lot of ways. Our dice roller is now available on Reddit. You can go and make rolls in the, the text post there on Reddit, and people use it to do play-by-posts and things like that, which is really, really awesome. Out of curiosity, if you're, uh, you said you were playing uh, 13th Age. Do you set up the, the Escalation die as something that's on the table, or, like, as a, as a macro that it's tied in for everybody, or...? Well, currently, because I am not the most educated on on the system, mm-hmm. uh, basically right now uh, what we've been doing is just on the the map. I like physically draw a plus one, and then a plus two, then a plus three, and then at the beginning uh, in the chat window, uh, I will put is it plus one or plus two, and then just as we're doing combat, usually I will reset. Like okay, the orc just did this, and the lizard man just did this, and then lightning bolt hit. We're at plus four. What do you yeah. want to do? I would I would highly suggest, and this is one of the reasons that I, I love 13th Age, I think it's one of those perfect systems to play in Roll20, almost, this is one of those, again, few times that we can do something better than at a, an actual table, because an actual table, when you've got something like that, and for those who might be listening that aren't familiar, you know, it's got an escalation die, so essentially the, the chance to hit and the damage goes up every time, which avoids those late game Dungeons and Dragons scenarios where it's the end of the fight, and everybody's whiffing all of a sudden, <laughs> and you're stuck there going, ah, I just wish this fight would end. Uh, instead, at the at the end of a 13th Age encounter, everybody is dying horrible bloody deaths, which is which is a lot of fun. Um, That's how it should be. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, I, you get into a fight, the adrenaline's pumping, and people are hitting harder because they're on their last legs. You know, it's great. Uh, but if you take, uh, if you drag an actual six-sided dice out onto the table, so you can take, you know, roll a 1d6 and pull it out onto the table, and you can set up to choose the side. And so you can choose the side for the object that it's the 1, the 2, the 3, the 4, the 5, the 6. You can tie in uh, macros to to hit off of that. And by doing, oh, okay. by doing that, as it changes, as it, as it escalates, um, it just automatically calculates. So all it takes then is one person saying, oh, the die needs to escalate, and it's automatically plugged into everybody's numbers, which is so, like, that's one of those things that at a table, you're constantly reminded, did you add the did you add the escalation die? Did you add the escalation die? Did you? And by having it actually just be one time, and then everybody's macros increase, it's fabulous. Like, it, it really, it plays really, really well, and is something that um, I... I get the biggest kick out of. I really think that it's uh, it, one. It's a great mechanic that I love, but I love that it's something that works so bizarrely well in Roll Twenty. So yeah, I think that'll definitely be worth the time to to figure out how to do that because we have had issues where we forget that it's escalated or we forget to turn it. So that's definitely if it's well, an easy fix, it, then definitely I yeah, want to put it. Once you get it, 
set up the first time, you you fly through using it in the future. You know, anywhere that you're going to have the escalation die, you just need to plug that in uh, to your, you know, to whatever you're doing as far as a this is the the roll I would make, the swing I would make, and you can plug it in and have it go off of that. Uh, actually, we have a will it play video that will show you how to do it. Uh, roll 20 will it play. I'll give you that that link. Uh, oh, please do. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. And then I do have, uh, I have one other question I want to ask about this kind of topic, and then I'll turn it back over to Caleb, and I'm sure he's got some other things. But uh, so along with that, is there any other sort of like off the menu things like things that people can do in roll 20 or you can do in roll 20 that maybe the mass audience doesn't know that it does. That's really cool. Like that. Is there anything else that you would share? I don't, I'm constantly amazed by what people are doing in roll 20. And so I just, I just did a, a Q and a on four chans traditional gaming board. And to to some people that, that scares them because 4chan can be the underbelly of the internet. There's a lot of really hardcore gamers there that aren't jerks uh, that are, that are, you know, really nice guys. And, you know, they just know it's a good community to have big conversations about strategy. And I went through and did this thread and there were people asking about all these games and dice rolls that I wasn't familiar with. And I was able to go through and be like, I think this is the formula you need based off the wiki you know, here's here's what it sounds like you're trying to do, or what game are you trying to play? There's actually a wiki entry that that goes through how to play a game of GURPS and all the things that would make it easiest to set up in Roll Twenty. Having things like that is really really cool and ends up being, you know, beyond my personal knowledge of the program that people have gone out there and put the time into. You know, I hadn't played Savage or Savage Worlds, yeah, Shadowrun, things like that, until I played them in Rule 20, and the things that I, that other people have made in the community to tell somebody how to approach that for their first time are really, really great. Uh, we do... Uh, so many of those things, there are ways to do it easily, because we've played the games now, too. That's something early on we did Savage Worlds initiative as it had been described to us, and as we thought it worked. And it worked, but it took a little bit of time. And the first time we sat down and played a game together, uh, we went, oh, we could optimize that to be just a little bit faster, couldn't we? Because the, the, you're drawing from a card deck to get the initiative. And we figured out a way to, to speed that up in terms of the drag and drop and what exactly you needed to happen there. So there's, there's a lot of little nooks and crannies like that where if there's a specific game that you're looking to play, take the time to do a little bit of wiki research or something um, to, to figure out what's going to help your game run fastest. But as far as any broad overall, you know, <laughs> shift-click to do this, nah, not really. There, that does bring up, though, there are a lot of key commands out there for those of you who are game masters building uh, an encounter. It can really help speed up. I mean, the same as if you're using Photoshop, you go a lot faster if you know you're your key options than if you're mousing over to the menu every time. And I would say the same for in Roll20 if you're setting up an encounter. If you know those keystrokes, it can help speed that up a lot. So are there other tutorial videos? I mean, just like general introductory type stuff and also advanced? Tons of introductory videos. Um, We've got a few ourselves, and we actually have a new set of videos that should be launching 
I'm gonna I'm gonna guess they launch next month that are really really basic and come at it though from a bunch of different angles. Whether it's I'm using Roll Twenty for the first time, or like we were talking about earlier, people who are coming to role playing games for the first time. So we we've got a video series uh, that I've seen the roughs of, and it's great. Uh, our moderator Kristen Carlson is uh, we've contracted her to do these, and it's all right. You're playing a role playing game for the first time. How do you decide what role playing game to choose? And she lays out, you know, here's, if you've heard the term crunchy, and if you've heard the term, you know, these, these are the things that you want to look at. And it's really, really, like, as somebody who's familiar with all these systems, I'm not bored by it, but it's also incredibly, incredibly basic information. So it's perfect, uh, which is fantastic. But there are tons of people out there doing tutorial videos. Uh, there's a group called Table Topping. Uh, David Middleton does and he's got, I think at this point, over 100 Roll20 tutorial videos that go into different parts of the system and break it down. So there's, there's a plethora of resources out there and people who have taken the time to, to add to what we're doing in documentation, which is fantastic. So there's a lot of different sources depending on how you want it uh, queued up and spit out. To, to give you an idea of, oh, this is how I'm, I might want to look at this, or this is this is a way to get the thing I want done a little faster. All right, Caleb, you got any uh, other questions you want to ask? Just kind of one weird one. You, you said the uh, basically the software has been evolving as you've been developing it. You're always adding new things or figuring out new things. What do you think is one of the just most random or weirdest offshoots that you've stumbled across during the evolution of the software? Just something you didn't expect or came about in this totally weird way? I mean, I, I think the the best and broadest has definitely been the card deck system because that was not something that we thought about initially at all for what we were doing. And one of our... We had two high-level backers in our Kickstarter. We had a $500 benefactor level. And they they got to essentially request a feature of us you know we'll we'll get it done. you know five hundred dollars you tell us what you want you're you're an amazing human being what do you need and this guy said I I want there to be a card deck so I can play you know Savage Worlds and other games like that that, that utilize a card deck and we went in there and uh, implemented a card deck and as as we go we keep on that's a feature that we've gone back now and done a polish to three times, and it's probably also going to be in our next update, because there's so many things that you can do with cards. Um, and so many, uh, like I said, this new simple system Kickstarter, it's a card-based role-playing game in a different way than I've ever seen attempted. It's so interesting. The guys who run Penny Arcade, um, Mike Krahalik, is coming out with a, a role-playing game called Thornwatch, and it's a card-based role-playing game. Uh, there's there's a lot of people using that system now, and it you know since the explosion of Magic: The Gathering, now with Hearthstone and things like that, uh, card games are very popular in the in the role playing setting, and so to have that feature that keeps on growing in these odd and unexpected ways. Like I said, the first thing we tested it for to make certain that it could do something other than you know Savage Worlds, you're just drawing and this is your initiative, so you need just a really basic card deck. But to make certain it could do some other things, Settlers of Catan was the first game we played because you needed different hands with the victory points and the resources. And you needed to be able to steal from people. 
you need to be able to you know, do some of these some of these other things. But I don't know. It's it's just such an interesting space to think of all the different ways that cards can be used that we just take for granted at a table. And and programming for that I know has been really interesting for Riley and wrapping our minds around it and working at you know what can we do to to help a maximum number of systems has been a real it it's exciting and it's weird uh, and that's going to be a bunch of the meetings we've got in June are with different uh, card game groups you know that, that they've got something that they are bringing to Roll Twenty in a module that. Oh, we could use this one other feature, if and it would make all the difference in the world. And trying to figure out how to do that without cluttering it and without making it, you know, nonsense. Drop down menu number six. Uh, but yeah, card card decks have probably been the the broadest and best example of things that make you go. Hmm. Kind of looking into the future, if uh, if it was totally free, and it took no time or energy. What is the one thing that you would want to add to Roll20? Like, you hit one button, and now it does this new thing it didn't do before. What would that one thing be? I, honestly, but it, the things I want right now are so focused on the marketplace. Um, and it, it's it's for a lot of reasons. One, it'll make money, which is, <laughs> which is cool. Um, not just for me, but for the creators. Um, but two, it is the thing that our players are requesting, so it's not just it's not even just a you know haha money it's a oh, they they want to spend this money <laughs> we need to give them the way um, but cleaning that interface up making it easier for the creators to use as far as when they're uploading and tagging items making it simpler to search making the layout a little bit better and having there be a plethora of professional level ready-to-run campaigns. I mean, that's currently the thing that I, when I'm going to bed and I'm trying to shut my brain off, that's the thing I'm, I'm usually trying to shut off now is the, the dreams about, oh, if I could just get it to do this. Uh, but I, I do think that we'll see some of those things that, I, that I'd like in that space happening in uh, the summer's big update. So we'll see how many we're able to squeeze in there. But that's definitely... You know, it, that that's the benefit of us being a small group of guys is that we're able to shift to those areas where oh I really want to do this uh, very quickly without you know a giant corporate structure where we've got a and it, that's been a big problem with the companies that we're trying to work with as far as bringing their content over is that they're a huge monolith sitting there going well. I don't know if we can spare anybody to to actually look at this and actually use this and actually it's like <laughs> guys we have this many you know I, I some of the games that we've talked about on this podcast our community is now bigger than the community that's aware of that game and I would love it you could go to you know Google Trends or something like that and put in some of these systems and see where Roll20 places in regards to the system and there's several of the systems that I would love to give a boost to uh, with official content to say, here you go, you can play this game for the first time here. This is why it's work, it's cool, and and give that whole system a boost. It's just a matter of them seeing the benefit of what we have to offer in terms of Roll20, in terms of a of an audience who is 
rabid for new content. So yeah, a lot of a lot of marketplace dreams on my part because I really do think that it's uh, it's a space that will fulfill a lot of things for a lot of people. But we'll see what happens. I guess the only other thing that we didn't talk about at all, we do uh, so I said that we previously had done a broad range of web comics, and one of the things that we've done since Roll Twenty's been active, uh, this is now one year old, whereas Roll Twenty is two years old, is that we have a web comic that we all contribute to. I'm the lead writer of, but the other guys definitely do a lot of the plot seating, a lot of the dialogue scrubbing and stuff like that, uh, called House of Ore which is a fantasy-based story about a guild. It's uh, 150-some pages into the narrative now, and there's a whole lot of folks in the webcomics community that really, really dig it. And that would be something, you know, if you're looking for something to to read uh, while you're at work and trying not to <laughs> trying not to do work, uh, check out House of War. Uh, it's, a, it's a really fun side benefit of everything that we've been doing with Rule 20 and storytelling and that sort of stuff. We are about at about an hour, which is kind of where we want to kind of keep our shows, but I do really appreciate your time. But we do have our normal closing question for our guests. So, Caleb, will you cover that for us? Yeah, sure. Our normal closing question is, uh, if you could impart one piece of knowledge to any brand-new gamer or GM what would you pass on based on your experience? The rule of cool. Uh, there, there's nothing I believe in more than the rule of cool. Uh, and that's essentially, if it's cool, you want to let it happen. Uh, don't don't get hung up on the rules as far as, you know, if somebody says, can I do this? And you're like, well, the rules say I can't. If it's going to break the system, don't let it happen. You know, If, it, if it's going to make it so things are unfair and there's never balance again in the future, No. But if they've got an idea that, that sounds fun and you know it's going to give you a new storytelling opportunity and make the session memorable, say yes. Go for it. Get the, you know, if, if everybody around the table is shaking their head like, oh, that would be, that would be so awesome, you've got something. And, and roll with that rule of cool because it really does make, make for a lot more fun. And, it, and two, it can be a, simply a way to speed up a session instead of going uh, I think you can do that but I need to check page 365 where I think that rule is uh, cool yes you can do that here's what the check's going to be try it um, so yeah that would be my, my one piece of uh, wisdom which you know anybody who is strict on the rules would hate me for but you know play, play the way you want to play there's no wrong way to play as long as the people around your table agree So the last thing that Caleb and I want to talk about today before we go, uh, but we have set up a Patreon page. And if you're not familiar, Patreon is kind of like Kickstarter, but not really. It is a crowdfunding source of income for creative types that that create content for people. But rather than paying a one-time donation for a tangible thing, like a book, a video game, a new role-playing game, a set of dice, whatever is you pledge a monthly donation that allows this these creative types to have the, the ability or freedom to do more of what they want to do. Uh, so we set up a page for ourselves. We have a lot of different backer levels. It starts at a dollar that you can donate a dollar a month. 
and you're going to get our undying gratitude. We're going to put up a Patreon wall on our website, and anyone who donates will get a shout-out on the podcast, as well as get your name put onto the Patreon page so that everyone will see that you are contributing to us. Uh, and it goes all the way up to some ridiculous dollar amounts that we don't really expect anyone to pay, but we put them on there just, just for the hell of it. Uh, but there's the option for us to run games for you and your group at certain backer levels, and there's stuff in the middle. And uh, the reason we want to talk a little bit about it, just to make sure everyone understands that we're not trying to just make money. Like we never expect to make enough money off of this that we can, you know, go to Disneyland or buy a new video game. All the money that we hope to raise to this is going to get put back into the show in some form or another, whether it's buying better equipment. Uh, I am, I do need a couple additional microphones so that they're all the same quality that would help with the editing. There's a different editing software that I would like to get that I think will help make the editing of the podcast easier. And, you know, long-term lofty goals, if, if we could get enough backers and get to the point, uh, I would like to build an actual studio in my basement with soundproofing insulation so that we don't have to worry about the kids upstairs or the dog barking or the doorbell or the phone, that kind of stuff. Uh, whether we're ever going to get to that, I kind of kind of doubt, to be honest with you. I would, I would be very happy, but... Um, you know, we do the best we can every week to present a product that people enjoy. And right now there's a small but growing number of people that do. If you can't donate money, I completely understand. Believe me. And, and uh, the podcasts are going to continue to be free every week, sometimes twice a week, is, until we cannot do them any longer. But there's some other things that we would also like to do. I want to get a digital recorder so that when I go to conventions like Origins and Gen Con, I can do on-the-spot podcasts and interviews. I would like to be able to get some new game systems, and that way we could do additional podcasts where we try new games out, uh, You know, things like Dungeon World and Numenera, uh, those, those types of things. So there's, there's things that we want to do, but the money will be for the show. And uh, I just hope that you guys will consider that. But if you cannot donate money, don't worry about it. That's, that's not a big deal. Tell someone about the show. Follow us on Twitter. Try to retweet. Go to the Facebook page. Buy a t-shirt and help get Caleb to Gen Con. Th these are ways that you guys can help us out without necessarily donating to Patreon. But it's there if you want to use it. So, Caleb, do you have anything else you want to add about the Patreon page or what it's for or how they can help? Uh, really, I just want <clears throat> to reinforce what Michael's saying. We're not charging you for the show. What we are doing here is a labor of love. It's because Mike and I really have a passion for gaming, and we enjoy talking about gaming. And, I mean, we're not trying to be NPR here with tote bags and travel mugs, but... Those are available on Cafe Press, by the way. <laughs> hey, you know what? Carl Castle did just quit his uh, Wait Wait show. Maybe we can hire him to be our announcer and just transition over to the, the public radio version of, of role-playing games. <laughs> but no, we just want to give you guys a better show. I think over the past couple weeks, Michael and I have really been talking some awesome big-picture ideas. And I, I think we are really poised on the edge to give you guys a very cool product, and we always want to stay and a, a, a high level of interaction with you as we move forward to give you this product. So if you are able 
to donate and want to help us bring our vision to life, thank you in advance because all it's going to do is turn right back into giving you a better product. If you can't, that's okay because we understand and we neither of us can do everything we want to do when it comes to crowdfunding and Kickstarter and stuff. So we know that it's hard to do that kind of thing sometimes. At the very least, thank you for listening. You know, keep listening, keep downloading. Please get a hold of us on Twitter. That's where we're most active. Uh, it's now the RPG Academy. I am at the Caleb G. We are always on to talk about games and answer questions. And you know, the more you talk to us, the more we can put on the show. So throw questions to us, bring up ideas, bring up topics. If not, it's just Mike and I talking about the same thing and agreeing on it all. So <laughs> give us something else to talk about, please. I agree. All right. Damn it. Well, I think that's a great way to end the show. Uh, so, Caleb, thank you for your time today. Uh, and, again, if you are interested in checking out the Patreon page, it's basically patreon.com backslash or slash uh, the RPG Academy. Uh, and in addition, we do have the Teespring T-shirt campaign going where you can get the cool... If you can read this, I failed the, my stealth check t-shirt. It's only 10 bucks. Uh, by the time this is out, I do hope to have the Get Caleb to Gen Con one that will be out. So we only need 100 of those shirts. And then also, uh, and, and again, in all seriousness, I also do have a link on the website. If you go to, R- to DriveThruRPG, which I do buy products from them, if you go to my site first and click on the link that takes you to the store, other than that, there's no difference. You can search for anything that you want. You can buy anything you want. But if you do it by going through the website, we get a small percentage back. And uh, we're up to like 8 $9. So I think that means like $80 have been spent through the show. Uh, once we get to 10 all I'm going to do is pull that off in a gift card and then give it away on the website as a contest. So, you know, if you are going to buy something through RP, Drive Through RPG anyway, please, you know, go to the site, click on the link, then go ahead and make the purchase. There's no additional cost to you. But it does help out the show a little bit. And then again, all I'm going to do is turn around and give it back to the audience. So there's a, there's a lot of ways that you guys can support the show non-monetarily. And there's some ways that you can support it monetarily. We will take any and all that we can get. So thank you once again. And we'll see you soon. You can give us feedback and comments on our website, therpgacademy.com. You can listen to previous podcasts on our website and subscribe to new ones on iTunes. If you have a suggestion for a table topic, we'd love to hear it. Email us at podcast at therpgacademy.com or connect with us. We're on Twitter at therpgacademy. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash therpgacademy. We also have a Google Plus page, The RPG Academy. As always, thanks for listening, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.